Dear God, we come to you now and we just ask that you just allow us to hear your word, dear Lord. And not only hear the words, but also hear the meaning. Just give us the gift of discernment so that we can take your word this morning and we can digest it. And it becomes a part of our DNA and we go out and live it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've been working our way through the story of Jonah. We've been working our way through the first chapter. And we've seen that Jonah is a prophet and he is living. He is serving the Israelite people, the Jewish nation. And they have been in a time of prosperity, and their borders have expanded back to the greatness of King David and, and, uh, and his son. And they are experiencing uh, um, great riches, and they are living a, a life that they haven't seen in generations. And their enemies, the Assyrians, who have tortured them and come in and, and sought war against them all these, these generations, are at a low period. They've been experiencing plagues. They've been experiencing infighting, political fighting, and they are in a downward trend. And at this time, this is a time when Jonah, being a prophet who wants to serve his people, who loves his people, God comes to him and says, go and preach the word so that the people of Nineveh, your great enemy, the Gentile people, those who are not called, those who are not God's chosen people, go preach to them. And we see Jonah get on a ship, and he goes down to Joppa. He gets on a ship to sail away to the farthest part known on the face of the planet, farthest away from Nineveh as he can. And we see that here we have a guy who has been called by God, and he is in all out rejecting his calling that God has placed into his heart. And you say, well, why would he do that? Why are you saying that? Well, it's because of a lot of personal reasons. Now, I'm, I'm talking to you this morning. I'm going to be very brief this morning, so stick with me, okay? We see that Jonah is rejecting his calling, and he's rejecting his calling because of personal feelings, because of personal emotions, and the way that God's calling makes him feel personally. And inside of his own mind, that logic doesn't add up. And we know that Nineveh, the, that is a city, and the translation of it is a city of rebels. And in fact, we see that Jonah is acting like the rebel as he rebels against the calling that God has placed into his life. And we see that he is running. And he doesn't think that the Ninevites deserve God's grace. And that's not based on anything except his own personal emotions and feelings and decisions. And we see that God is placing into Jonah's life a great calling. And yet at this time, Jonah is running away, trying to escape God. And here's what I need you to see is throughout this story, God is constantly, constantly surrounding in the presence of Jonah. Because if we know one thing... You can never escape the presence of God. And we see that he boards a ship and, and runs away and flees from his calling as far away as he can. And we know that the people of Nineveh worship a God that is half man, half fish. It's the great fish God. And we see that Jonah gets on a boat and he gets out and God puts a, a, a storm in their way. And here's the, here's the thing. Jonah 
being a man of God who is called by God to go do a great thing, trying to run away has placed people in great danger as he tries to run away. There's a great economical impact to the people that he has run away with because they have to unload the ship. They have to get rid of all the stuff that they're trying to that they're trying to um, take on their on their journey. So there's a great economical impact, and now their lives are in danger. And we see that God is still in control. He's still there because he's the one putting the, as the sailors try to row back, God keeps pushing them further and further out. And then we see that at, at Jonah, he decides as the lot falls to him that he will sacrifice himself. Now listen to me very, very clearly because this is going to hit home, all right? He'd rather die than do what God's asked him to do. That's tough to hear, isn't it? Huh? That's a place. That's a place where your personal pride and your personal decisions have got you in a place, the dangerous place. I'd rather die than do what you're asking me to do. And he encourages them. He puts himself in a position to where they will willingly throw him. And they say, "This is all on you. Your blood is not on our hands. We're innocent of your blood." He would rather die. He would rather them throw him overboard of the ship to go do what God's asked him to do. And here's the thing. God's going to get him there. God's in control. And you think if you're in the middle of the sea, headed the other way, and now you're in a storm pushing you that way, how do you get that guy off the boat and get him back on shore? Well, when you're running away from a great fish, guess what God's going to do? He's going to throw you in the belly of a great fish. Isn't that just amazing? As you're trying to run away from him, he uses the very thing you're running away to get you back to where you need to be. So here's a couple points, all right? Listen to me very carefully. God, he prepares all things. He prepares all things. Nothing happens by chance in this life, all right? There is no such thing as coincidence. All right. If you believe that, then you need to pray on it. Okay. Jan is not cancer free by coincidence today. All right. So God prepares all things. And here's the thing I need you to hear. He prepares all things for his providence, for his will. And you can be a de- you can be a bad part of that story as God gets to his will, or you can be a good servant, a good part of that story. As he gets to his will. Here's the other one. God calls us. Now hear me, hear me very clearly this morning. God calls us to his will. We're not in a relationship to where we say, okay, you're my savior. You saved my life. Now here's what I need from you, God. Here's, here's, here's how I need you to come to me so this relationship can be a good thing. That is not at all what Christianity is all about. Because God's going to ask you to do some things. And in all honesty, sometimes you're going to feel like Jonah. You'd rather die than do what God's asking you to do. You'd rather run the other way. But God calls us to do His will. God calls us to come to Him. We don't get to dictate to God how He comes to us. Here's the other one. Anything you ever put in place of what God's calling you to do, He will oppose. That's inside of your families, inside of your 
churches, inside of your governments, inside of your nation, inside of the most personal relationship that you have on this earth. Anything that you place of importance, God calls himself a jealous God. In fact, in the Old Testament, when he lists his actual names, no one can know the name of God, but he, he, he offers us proper names. One of them is Jealous with a capital J. Because God is a jealous God. He doesn't want anything placed in front of him. And in this life, if you place something in front of God and what he's calling you to do, he will not bless that. He will not bless that. He will oppose it. And speaking with that, the next point is that God wants us to act in his will in accordance with his will, but not out of fear and downtrodden and beaten down. We are called to serve because we love. We are called, many times you're going to be called to serve your enemy out of love. And you say, well, how did I do that? Here's the place in this sermon where I get to say one of my most favorite things to tell you. Your job as a Christian before you ever your feet ever hit the floor is to go to the Lord in a prayer. The prayer of emptying. Empty me of me so that I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I can do your will and not my will. We are called to serve out of love. We are called to serve out of mercy and grace. And here's what I want you to, here's what I really want you to hear this morning. If you, if you tuned out, turn back in real quick. This fish, you're going to, if you study Jonah, they're going to spend 80% of the time trying to convince you that he got swallowed by a fish and what kind of fish it was. Here's what I know. God prepared that fish. That's all I need to know. All right? End of the story. He really got swallowed by a fish. If you don't believe that, then this story is never going to mean anything to you. Here's what I really need you to hear. This is an Easter story. It's an Easter story. That fish, that fish <clears throat> is viewed as a form of punishment because he ran away. But actually, it's a form of deliverance. It's a form of teaching. It's a form of salvation. That fish is God's grace in fish flesh. It's a story of Easter. It's a story of Easter. And here is, if you remember our Easter sermon, Easter's just not when the, I don't, I don't, the equinox, I don't even know when they, how they decide when Easter is. I haven't figured that one out yet, okay? But when the equinox line up with uh, something or another, I don't know, first equinox, I can't remember. All right, but here's what I know. Easter for Christians is to be celebrated every single day. Because we serve a risen Savior. So here's what I know. If you're, in a, if you're in a stage of rebellion right now, God's still in control of this world. If you're in a, if you're in a stage where you're making bad decisions like Jonah and you're in a downward spiral, God's still in control. If you're about to give up, God's still in control. Don't give up. If you're trying to run away, God's still in control. He's going to get, when you get done running away, he's still going to be there. When we fail, when we sink into the deep waters, when, we drown, when we're drowning, God's still in control. 
when we reject his calling into our lives, God's still in control. You got the point of the story? You got the point of the sermon? In this world where it looks like it's falling apart at the seams, madness, chaos, rebellion, bad decisions, no love, all hate. Guess what? God is still in control. And we as Christians need to put our personal, all of our personal emotions and all of our personal, the, the stuff that we have built up inside of us that make us nasty people. We need to pray a prayer, a unified pray, prayer of emptying so that we can collectively come together and do what God's calling us to do. Bow your heads with me. Dear God, we come to you now and I we just can't understand some of the things that are going on in this world. But dear God, we are thankful that you are in control. We just ask that you just allow us to place ourselves in a position and to submit ourselves to your will, dear Lord, so that we can we can allow you to to exercise all the the benefits and all the blessings that you want to bestow upon us and we can come together healthy unified where we can we can be a country again that we we love each other and that we serve each other and that we work towards the fulfillment of what jesus christ your son always says as heaven as earth as it is in heaven dear lord please allow us to get to a place to where it is on earth as it is in heaven in Christ's name we pray.